you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. God bless you. Thank you for being here on this Wednesday night. And we're going to get into the word of the Lord for a little while tonight. And I'm going to deal with a subject that I feel is important as over the last several weeks, Um, We have been talking uh, about holiness, and uh, we have been uh, touching on some of the very important issues of holiness, and tonight I I want to continue, and rather interesting, I've chosen tonight, I I told you on Sunday night if you were here, uh, I told you that I was going to be speaking along these lines, and uh, I, I pray that um, I didn't oversell you Sunday night, but uh, I, I hope that what I'm going to speak to you tonight is going to be helpful and is going to help us grow. It does matter what you believe. It does matter. Don't ever let the world persuade you that doctrine doesn't matter and that uh, it doesn't matter what you believe, that you can just, as long as you believe in something, you're doing all right. It does matter what you believe, and it matters where you stand on issues, and uh, these are very important. And it does matter whether or not you have established some convictions in your life that matters. Uh, if you, every person in this room tonight should live their life guided by the Word of God and convictions associated with the Word of God. Now, the Word of God does not change, but our convictions that are connected to our belief system, often our upbringing, the teaching of different ministers or churches that we've been part of or ministers that we've sat under, uh, all of those things shape our convictions. The parents we were raised by, the teachers we have sat under, the study we have done, uh, perhaps even the person we're married to, all of these things help shape our convictions. And every person should have convictions. And let me go a step further and say that if you have stronger convictions than I do, I should never be guilty of making light of your convictions. I should honor and respect your convictions, but when it comes down to things that may be divisive, 
we need to be very careful that our convictions is not what may separate us from others. The Word of God is very clear. Doctrine is uh, a stable. It doesn't vary. It is not left for private interpretation. But when it comes to convictions, many things shape our personal convictions. And we all should develop convictions. And if, you, if you're newer in the church and around the church, there, you, need to, you need to pray and ask God to shape some convictions about where you go, what you do, how you live, how you speak, how you dress, the things that you do or don't do, principles that you establish in your life. These are all very important convictions that every person should have. And so we're going to deal with some of these things tonight, and I'm going to do it from a point of view, hopefully, that is as helpful to you as, as possible and as clear as possible as we approach subjects that may not be, uh, that, that may be, uh, some may be biblical and some may be extra biblical in that they, have, they are convictions, some are traditions, and so we need, to, we need to be very, very cautious and careful. In the next few weeks, I may, uh, I am considering uh, bringing the message, let me just ask, how many of you were able to be at General Conference on Thursday night to hear Brother Bernard and his message that he preached on Thursday night? Can I see your hands? There's several. Good. Wonderful. I may bring that message back to the congregation and we may, uh, it may be available online. I recommend you listen to it, but we may choose to bring it back and play it on a Wednesday night for everybody in our congregation as our general superintendent deals with some of the things that I am going to be talking about tonight uh, when it comes to convictions, to, to Bible doctrine, and to extra-biblical beliefs and things that we choose to stand on. There are opinions and there are preferences. I want you to say that with me. Opinions and preferences on many issues. If I was to ask you tonight, I, I would, as a matter of fact, I think I will, uh, I will get a whole plethora of of answers. If I ask you tonight how you like your steak, I'm guessing that I'll get a whole plethora of responses. Let me just ask, how many, how many of you like your steak well done? Let's see, look at the hands. Raise them real high. Well done. There's some people. I feel sorry for all of you. You take a good, perfectly good piece of meat and burn it. That's just an extreme. I, I, I can't understand. I can't understand. Uh, but you know what? It's not going to divide us. I'll still eat a steak with you, particularly if you're buying. Now, how many of you like your steak rare? Oh, Lord Jesus. These bloody people. 
I, I, I was wishing Tom Dalton would be here tonight because I was going to pick on him a little bit if he was able to be here because I've eaten steak with him before. And if you've ever eaten steak with Tom Dalton, when they come and say, how would you like your steak cooked? He said, just turn it over and put it on a plate. And I, I, I can't, I, I just can't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, just, I just can't. So I'm a medium guy. I'm a medium. It's got to be medium for me. And if we err, let's err on the side of medium well. But medium, medium. How many medium people we have here? Wow, good. A lot of people are agreeing with me tonight. Medium well. Got any medium well folks here? Medium rare people here? Oh, Jesus, I'm praying for you all. Praying for you all. See the extremes. The extremes. When I was younger, my, my mom and dad, they were, they, were, they were well done folks. My dad, if he was here tonight, he'll complain about a steak being tough and order it well done every time. <laughs> and every time I've ever eaten a steak with my dad, he's complained about how tough it is. And I'm like, Dad, you can't order a steak well done and expect that it's going to be tender. But uh, somehow in his mind, he equates... Shoe leather and tender. I don't understand. I don't understand. But I graduated, and as I got a little older, I was eating with somebody, and they're telling me, oh, man, you've got to get it medium well. And I might have been my brother-in-law. It might have been Brother, brother Danny. He, 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 might have, he might have persuaded me. I, I don't remember. I started eating, eating my steak medium well, and for the longest while, it was medium well. And that's how, that's how I did my steak. It was medium well for the longest while, and then... then I don't know if it was he or Gentry that finally persuaded me to go, go to medium, and I liked it even better. And so I've, I've locked out at medium, and I don't foresee anywhere in the near future or next century that I'm going, Sister Shauna's in the Holy Ghost back there right now. She's, I doubt that I'm going to go beyond. See, the deal is, is because you like your steak medium or well or medium well or medium rare or rare doesn't make you wrong. It's a preference. It's a preference. It's a matter of taste. Poor taste for some. But taste and preference. But the issue is, is it doesn't, it doesn't make you wrong. So if I ask you tonight, how many of you would have a steak dinner with me? I hope some of you will raise your hands. And if the Lord moves on you, so to invite your pastor for a steak dinner, I will work on my calendar. And as busy as I am for a steak dinner, I feel in the Holy Ghost it would be the right thing to do to clear my calendar and accept an invitation to your steak dinner. Pastor Danny's over here saying, I'm ready. I'm, my calendar's open. He says, if you can't make it, I'll go in your place. Because I'm not going to allow steak to divide our friendship and our fellowship. Because actually, if you invite me to a steak dinner, now there's a few places that I've been. I've been to some pretty nice steakhouses in my life. And... Uh, I, I, I've been to some pretty nice steakhouses, but normally, normally, I just got to tell you, even when I go to really nice steakhouses, it's very rare that I go, I don't know that I have ever been to a steakhouse particularly 
for the steak alone. I'm going to explain that to you. Normally, when I go to a real nice steakhouse, it's usually that I am treating somebody as a gift or as a thank you or as a way of expressing my appreciation or my love, my gratitude. And so I'll spring for a very expensive meal that normally I would not because honestly, I've, I've eaten the expensive ones and the cheap ones. There is slightly differences, but it's hard to beat a Texas Roadhouse ribeye. I mean, it just is. It just is. And for the price. Or you could go to Ruth's Chris or St. Elmo's or Harry and Izzy's. And you can have a steak there. Now, you can tell a difference if you're a steak connoisseur. You can tell a difference, but it's not at the level that may be worth the difference in the price tag. So for the most part, my steak is often more about the fellowship of the people that I'm with than it is about the steak that I'm eating. So I like steak and chicken and pork and fish and food in general. You know, I told you, I warned you to eat before you came tonight. And then I didn't eat before I came tonight. So we have to be careful that our preferences don't divide our fellowship within the church and around the people of God, whether they be part of our fellowship or some other fellowship, we must be careful. We must be very careful because the way people... I, I, oh, I always ate well-done steak and eventually medium well and eventually medium. But the reason that I ate medium well steak is because that's how I was raised. It's the way I was brought up was all I ever knew. My mom could burn a good pork chop. You want a great pork chop? My wife can cook the best pork chop. She is excellent at pork chops. My mom never could cook a pork chop anywhere close to as good as the pork chop my wife cooks. And for a while I didn't understand why, but my mom burned the pork chops. Every time she burned them, and she always said, now son, pork must be well done. And she would always tell us it must be. And well done meant shoe leather, cardboard, burned. So our preferences often are on, built around how we came up, things we were taught, how we're raised. And so we have to be careful about our traditions overriding Bible doctrine. Anybody with me now? We have to be careful about the traditions and, and our preferences. Brother Bernard pointed out a very interesting fact. He said most of us base our appreciation for gospel music on the genre or era of music in which we came into the church when we first came into the church or our earliest 
memory of music or involvement in music ministry is usually becomes our favorite. And as times change and music trends change, if we're not careful, we can start building doctrines off of our preferences and we can start dividing and discouraging good people that have a different preference. I could start singing some songs tonight and these young people wouldn't have a clue. They've never heard them. It's sad. It's sad. I could, I could break out some Dallas Home and pray some Russ Taft. You know who that is, right? Never, never heard of Russ Taft. Oh, anybody who know, here know who Russ Taft is? The Imperials. Oh yeah, yeah. You're saved, folks. You're saved to the uttermost. See, but it's a difference in era. It doesn't mean that these young men here aren't saved. That they don't. They, you know, they, they probably, they probably have different preferences. I, I may listen to their favorite music and, and not just quite do it. We have to be careful. We have to be careful that we we don't become divisive over these preferences. And are discouraging over preferences. We have people that come to this church, music ministry, our music team, our choir. Thank God for people. The scripture said, sing in the spirit and sing with understanding also. And I thank God for that scripture. And I, I remind I, every, about every time I've ever spoken to the choir, I usually use that scripture. Because I love to sing in the spirit, but I appreciate the fact they sing with understanding also. Because I like good music and I like them to be on key and I like them to do it right. And it's wonderful and I think it magnifies the name of the Lord because they are trying to do it with the best of their ability. And everything that you do in word or do, deed, do it all in the name. If you're doing it in the name, you better do it to the best of your ability. And so their, their, their attempts to be as, as rehearsed and well and do it, they're, they're doing it well. We have to be careful not to come in and begin to discourage or speak against this good group of people that spend so much time and so much energy and, and so much effort and giving their all to lead us just because they don't do our favorite song or our favorite style. And, and we have to be careful not to be discouraging to them over our preference. Anybody with me tonight? Hebrews chapter 12. Let's get into the word of the Lord. I hope I can cover this all tonight, but I may not be able to because I seem to be rather chatty already. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Why don't you read it out loud with me if you would? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Look diligently, lest any man fail the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Follow peace with all men is the forgotten first part of our beloved holiness scripture that we like to go to and say, Holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. But we leave out the first part of that which says follow peace 
with all men and holiness. We're talking about holiness tonight. We've been on this series. So we have to follow peace with all men and holiness. If we are divisive and hurtful and harmful over our preferences, because I like my steak medium doesn't make you wrong. I saw Brother Gary Irons' hand go up that he likes his steak well done. I'll pick on him all night and when I see him next time and I'll end up taking him to a steak dinner one of these days. because He likes it well done. I prefer it medium, but I'm not going to let it divide us because I'm going to follow peace with all men. And when I give him a hard time about how he likes his steak, it's going to be tongue-in-cheek with a joke and a smile. It's not going to become something so dogmatic that I feel the need to come to this pulpit and pound the pulpit and tell you for everybody in this room that doesn't like their steak the way I like my steak, it makes you wrong. Follow peace with all men. Following peace is a biblical priority for every child of God. In order to be Christ-like, we must follow the example of Christ. I want to take your attention to Luke chapter 2, verse 52. I've got about four different passages that I'm going to try to deal with tonight, so I recognize my time frame, and so I'm going to have to move rather quickly. Luke chapter 2, verse 52 and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Any time I've ever spoke to young people and young adults more than two or three times, I usually speak from Luke 2 and 52 because I feel it is such an incredibly important scripture in the development process of growing up and growing up in Christ as well. Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. We knew, we read about Jesus in his birth, we read about him when he was a lad, maybe 11 years old or so, when he's in the temple, then we don't hear about Jesus again from that preteen year all the way over until he is 30 years old and comes on the scene launching his ministry. So for a long span of time, 19, 20 years, we don't hear about Jesus. We don't know anything about him during that time frame. The scripture says nothing except Luke 2 and 52 says that Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. The thing that Jesus was doing during that silent time of his life was Jesus was increasing in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Let me break it down to you just a little bit. Jesus increased in wisdom. There's an example for you and I. He who winneth souls is wise. Every one of us, we want to be used of God. We want a growing church. We want a church that is biblically sound and developing and growing. We must be very cautious and very careful to exercise wisdom in everything we do. Jesus increased in wisdom, learning is part of growing in wisdom. Wisdom is the understanding of how to properly apply what you have learned. Education in of itself is not wisdom. The proper application of education is wisdom. 
to know how to apply it, to know how to put it into action. Jesus increased in wisdom. Wisdom teaches us to follow peace with all men. To follow peace with all men. Jesus grew in favor. The word favor means to be esteemed, to have the approval or partiality shown toward, to have preference with God and with man. With God, one would be right relationship. We must have right relationship with God. Number two would be the favor of man. Some people say, well, I don't care what people think about me. To be a child of God, I believe every child of God should care what the people around them think about them. How can you lead somebody to the Lord? How can you lead your neighbor to the Lord if your neighbor don't like you? How can you lead your neighbor to the Lord if, you're, if your neighbor hates you? So we must be cautious and careful and seek to grow in favor with God by doing His will and with man. That doesn't mean we have to please everybody, but we, we must work to grow in favor. That word favor means to be in right relationship. I had lunch today with someone. The purpose of that lunch, nobody connected with our church, but I want to be clear. Someone called me and said, I feel like you and I need to sit down and talk. I went, had lunch with them today, sat down and talked to them, and they said, I want to ask you a question. And in the middle of conversation, they said, someone told me that you made this specific statement, and I've never had conflict with you, but I want to ask you, did you make this statement regarding me and I said to them absolutely not never made this statement never had the thought never considered making the statement and they said that's that was the whole purpose of me wanting to have lunch with you today is because I had to settle it in my mind because I couldn't imagine why and I'm not surprised to hear you say that because the person that told me this I found out that they've said a lot of things to me that were not factual and and so thank you for settling this. What just happened is a potential conflict just came together. By the time we walked away, both he and I both walked away with favor toward one another. You can't live in conflict with your neighbor. You need to settle the conflict. If you're going to lead somebody to Christ, you better have their favor. You can't let every little thing that happens become a conflict between you and them. We need to walk and live in right relationship with man. Follow peace with all men. Follow peace with all men. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor. This is speaking toward influence. The ability to lead is influence. Lead, leadership is influence. The ability to affect or impact others. I'll speak to those of you who have a desire to be in leadership. This doesn't matter whether it's leadership in the church, leadership on your job, or even leadership in your family. Leadership is based upon influence. Your ability to influence people. Influence is leadership. Leadership is influence. Every one of us have people that we are influencing. You influence your kids. They grow up honoring and respecting 
and you can lose that influence by the way that you live your life, by the way that you act, by the way you treat them. So every one of us have influence on others. The way to increase your influence is to increase your favor. Favor comes to those who understands the importance of following peace with all men. Just because we know it or think it doesn't mean we need to say it. And because everybody else acts that way doesn't mean we have to act that way. The Bible tells me to follow peace with all men. That even means those who are in the household of faith and those who are outside the household of faith. I want to have influence on my neighbor. I don't have a close, tight-knit relationship with my neighbor, but occasionally I'm mowing my yard and I look at my clock and see I've got an extra 25 minutes and I just go over and mow my neighbor's yard. I don't knock on his door. I don't ask him if I can. I just go knock. I just go over and take care of it. Sometimes I'm taking care of snow removal in my yard and in my sidewalk and I'll just move right over and take care of my neighbor's. He'll come out and he'll try to offer me money and I'll say, absolutely not. Would never let my neighbor pay me. You know what I'm doing? I'm trying to increase favor with my neighbor. You never know when I'm going to need him. And if you have a bad relationship and a bad reputation and you have no favor, you'll never be able to lead. Some time ago, my neighbor's son passed away. He came and knocked on the door with tears in his eyes and said, I know you're people of faith. Would you please pray for my family? We just found out that my son passed away. We were the first house that he knocked on a door asking for prayer for. That only comes because of favor. You want to lead somebody to the Lord? You've got to have their favor. You can't live your life telling the world off and showing bad attitude. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man will see the Lord. Peace without holiness will lead to heresy. Holiness without peace will lead to radicalism. We've got to have both. Follow peace with all men and holiness. That brings balance. We must strive to follow peace with all men and holiness. If our holiness separates us from the world, it is doctrine. If our holiness divides us from the brotherhood of faith, it is prejudice. So we must be careful that we don't allow our preferences to divide the congregation, to divide the fellowship. I need to go back to the Word of God and find out what is doctrine. I will die for Jesus' name, baptism, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. But I come tonight rather intentional to stand in this pulpit tonight because I can tell you, if I had my preference, I actually left my tie at home tonight, but I came tonight, but I would prefer to have on a tie tonight, and some of you might prefer to have me in a tie tonight, but I have absolutely no Bible one way or the other whether I need a tie on in order to teach on Wednesday night. It's a preference. And if it divides us, oh, well, Pastor must be going charismatic. He got up on a Wednesday night and didn't wear a tie. Absolutely not. I'll die for this doctrine, but I come to make a very strong point tonight. I will not allow our congregation to be divided over, pre over preferences. 
I know people that absolutely don't want to talk to other people, don't want to speak to other people. They hate their brother. Look at 1 John chapter number 4, verse number 20. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 20. 20. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, what is he? He is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 and 24 and 25. Very quickly. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23, 24, and 25. I finished three pages out of eight, and I've used up more than half of my time. Somebody needs to be praying for me right now. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast. The profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful or he is unwavering. That promised. Verse 24. And while we're holding fast the profession of our faith without wavering. And verse 24 says... I'm connecting to holding fast the profession of our faith without wavering. And let us. Somebody talk to me tonight. Let us consider. Who? Let us consider one another. Let us consider one another to Provoke people to believe it just the way I see it. Am I making enemies tonight? Or am I trying to help somebody? Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. If my holiness and my separation and the profession of my faith is built out of anger and a pharisaical spirit that nobody except those that are like me are going to be saved, that see it just the way I see it. Hello, somebody. Provoke one another to love and good works. And don't get mad in the middle of all of it. Because there were some here tonight that raised their hand and liked their steak rare. As difficult it is for me to sit across from you in the restaurant and watch the blood drip out of that steak while you're eating. As difficult as it is, I'm going to provoke you to love and good works. As much as you might not like the genre of music, the style of music, who's leading, who's singing, the vocal inflection, the sound, forsaking, not the assembling of your, don't let things divide you from the body of Christ. 
forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. You've got a belief. Take people to Scripture, talk to them about it, but don't be offensive. If the Word of God offends somebody, so be it. But if my method offends somebody and I cause them to stumble, what have I accomplished? In any congregation, we have a mix of people, some who have been here a long time and some for a short time. And with every mixture of people come different personalities and different views and opinions, backgrounds and upbringings and preferences. This is what happens. Romans chapter 14. And if you're marking your Bibles tonight, you need to really mark this passage. Because Romans chapter 14 is one of the most important passages of Scripture. And it's talking about steak. I like it because it talks about steak. Ask your neighbor, how do you like your steak? Romans chapter 14. Him that is weak in faith, receive ye. But not to doubtful disputations. If they're weak in faith, receive them. But don't get into doubtful discussions. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak, he only eats herbs. Pay attention now. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. I want you to understand this. There's some literal things here, and I'm going to get into this in a few minutes. They're literally having, here in the church, they are having disputes over what they should eat and what they should not eat. They're fighting over it in the church. They're arguing over what they should eat. Let him that eateth despise, that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let him, and let not him which eateth judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. Interesting. The Apostle Paul saying, Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemed one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. I'm just going to stop here for a moment. Because I have a young man who was a pastor friend of mine, not too terribly far from here. He got caught up in a doctrine doctrine of the Sabbath, Jewish roots. When you hear these type things, be very careful. 
be very careful because there's a lot of pharisaical and they try to eventually take you back to the law and now they don't even speak the name of Jesus because they're trying to go back to their Hebrew roots. Be careful. Be careful. Came back and tried to go to the law and start trying to prove that having church on Sunday is wrong. Got to have church on Saturday. His reasoning for having church on Saturday was because three Sundays in a row there were snowstorms that specific year and God was trying to show his church they had to cancel on on Sunday so they had church on Saturday because God was showing his church they needed to switch and start having church on Sunday. Having church on Saturday. How pathetic. Gets caught up in some esteeming one day above another, taking people into Jewish law. Before long, they start telling people, if you don't like your steak just like I like mine, you're not part of the body of Christ. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day To the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not, to the Lord he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. This is going to make sense to you here in a few minutes. It's not just a bunch of gibberish words. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. For why do you judge another brother? Why do you sit at naught, thy brother? For we shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Verse 11, for it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of God for himself. Let let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block. Say that word with me. That no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I'm going to come back there. All right, let's leave that window open over here on the side. A stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus Christ that there is nothing unclean of itself. Because the argument here, they're arguing about meat being unclean. But him that eateth esteemeth anything to be unclean. To him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved at thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably, destroy not him with thy meat, for whom Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. For that in these things serveth Christ, is acceptable to God, and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify. Everybody say lift up. 
encourage one another. Don't look for the things that divide us. Look for the things that encourage us. The world's trying to destroy us already. We don't need to come to church and be destroyed over somebody else's preference. Lift up, look for the things that edify, and lift up the body of Christ. For meat destroyeth not the work of God. My steak doesn't destroy the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. Oh my, oh my, that word offense, that word offense doesn't, to offend here is, the English language doesn't really do it justice because to offend, I could, I could come over here and pick on Aiden and if I picked hard enough I could probably eventually offend him. He'd go sit by his mama, wouldn't want to talk to me. He'd be mad at me. And I've offended him. That's English language. I've upset him to the point that he would become offended. But that's not biblically offend. The word offend means to cause to be unproductive to the point of leading into sin or to cause one to sin. To cause another to sin. I've heard people say, you can't cause somebody else to sin. That's not what the text is telling us. Because if me eating meat causes my brother to sin, leads him into sin, then I have a responsibility. Me eating meat destroys my brother. This had nothing at all to do with eating at the most popular steakhouse in town, but it had something to do with a pagan religious system. Here's what's going on. What's happening here is there are people that had come from idolatrous worship. Everybody okay? I want you to get this. This is bringing it home to you now. I'm going to make it real clear. There were people who had come from idolatrous worship. All they had known was they would sacrifice, and we could go into this in a lot of different directions, and I love, to, I love the analogies here. And we could get into this from a lot of different directions. But they sacrificed the bullock, the lamb, the goat, they sacrificed unto idols. They would kill the sacrifice. The difference between pagan sacrifice and Jewish sacrifice to Jehovah God was that there were stipulations on the sacrifice that was to be sacrificed to Jehovah God. But the pagans could sacrifice anything that they had. And for the most part, they did. The Jews had to take their, and they, they had to take their firstborn of the flock. It had to be all, everything, had, it, they had to put it up in a pen and watch it for several days. It had to be inspected by the priest to prove that it was absolutely excellent and perfect in every way. It's a perfect type of Jesus Christ. Their, their sacrifice. But the pagans would find the cancerous one. 
The, pagans could, the pagan worshipers could find the one that had a broken leg, a limp, or an infection, and they would take it down and sacrifice it because it was the cheapest thing that they could possibly give. Anybody with me tonight? Idolatrous worship didn't cost what it did to, to worship to Jehovah God. They took their cheap sacrifice and they took it down to the pagan temple and sacrificed it just like the Jews did to Jehovah. They sacrificed their meats unto, the, un, unto, their, unto their idols and unto idol worship. The pagan priest took the sacrifice. They would eat of some of it. And then they supported their pagan temple with the rest of it. And they would take the pagan, would take the sacrificed, subpar, weakling that had been sacrificed. And they took it to the meat market and they would sell it to the meat market to the public. It was a common practice. So now the meat that had been sacrificed to idols now is made available on the meat market. And so now they would go to the meat market and turn around and buy back what they had already sacrificed. And so they knew when they went to the meat market, it was a good possibility, Brother Dan, that they were buying back, could be buying back their own or their neighbors. They could be, but they knew that it was a good possibility that this didn't just come from the local butcher, butcher store, but this, this came from good possibility. This came through idol worship. It, was a t it had an attachment to it, to idolatry. So now these pagans hear the truth preached to them, and now they're saved. They're born again of the water and the Spirit. They receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, living for God, living a holiness life. Now they have a conviction. Are you with me? The conviction they had was they struggled to go down to the local meat market and buy meat because the meat they were buying had been sacrificed to idols. Oh, this reminds me of where I had come from. This reminds me of where I've been. This reminds me, it's, it's, there's a good possibility, Brother Danny, that this meat was offered to idols. If I buy this meat and eat this meat, that's been sacrificed to idols, I now am taking part of the idolatrous system of worship. No way. They would not touch the meat. They didn't want anything to do with the meat. And so now, here are the Jews that had knew nothing about idolatrous worship, they knew nothing about sacrificing meats to idols. They sacrificed to Jehovah God. They knew nothing about it. They go down and get meat and sit down and say, I like my steak medium. Because that's how everybody in the Bible liked their steak. I'll have my steak medium. And the born again Christian that had come out of idolatrous worship went over to them and said, what in the world are you thinking? Do you know the background of this? Do you know where this came from? Do you know that that meat was sacrificed to idols? And the Jewish man looks at him and says, I know nothing about idol worship. I only know about Je worship to Jehovah God. I don't understand. What, what is your problem? Meat is good for the body, the apostle Paul says. 
But he also says if the meat offends your brother, don't eat it. What? What is he saying? He said if it offends your brother, it doesn't mean if it just upsets him. But it means if you eating meat, Sister Paula, causes your brother to sin, don't eat meat. Don't cause your brother to sin. Just refrain. Let the stronger yield to the weaker. Because Sister Paula likes meat. But if it offends your brother, don't eat meat. So the issue is, is the Jews, they had no common practice. They knew nothing about idol worship. Those who didn't come from idolatrous worship, they knew nothing about. The Apostle Paul said, good, then eat meat. There's nothing wrong with meat. But to the idolatrous worshiper who has the offense, who says, that reminds me. He says, don't eat meat. Because if eating that meat is taking you back and leads you back into idolatrous worship, there's the word offend. If it takes you back into idolatrous worship, there's the idea. If it takes you back into idolatrous worship, then don't eat meat. By all means, don't eat meat. And Brother Dan, if you eating meat, and although you know nothing about idolatrous worship, if you cause your brother to want to go back, if you tease him over his conviction, and you give him a hard time over his conviction until he caves in and starts eating meat and it leads him back into sin, you have a responsibility to your brother. Don't eat the meat, Brother Dan, because you're the stronger and he's the weaker. Let the stronger yield to the weaker. Don't cause your brother to sin. I was working in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Some of you have heard me share this story. His name was John Bullock. I called Brother Keller. I talked to him at General Conference, as a matter of fact. I asked about John I was working a job in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Brother Doran Soltemeyer was working with me at that time. The two of us together, he, Brother Doran would be able to remember Brother John. He was a funny guy, never stopped talking. We were on the job the first day. Everybody there knew he was Preacher John. He talked about where he had come from. He had come out of a motorcycle gang, drugs and alcohol and wild women and partying. He was part of the, part of the group in his specific motorcycle gang that he was part of. That if somebody didn't pay a debt or somebody wronged anybody in the group, he would go. and in, He was an enforcer, so he would go and fight, hurt people, beat people up. He looked at me and he said, Pastor, I don't believe I ever killed anybody but we did leave some people in some conditions that I hope they didn't die. The rough life. He said, I found the Lord. God brought me out of all that life. Alcohol, drugs, different woman every week on the back of my bike, running all over the creation, stealing for a living. He's talking one day, and I thought, well... Let's change the subject. 
I said, John, what kind of bike do you have? He said, no, uh-uh, not me, man, not me. He said, I don't have no bike. God delivered me from all that mess. He said, I don't have a bike. No, 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 Pastor Jordan. He said, now if you have a bike, <laughs> it's no problem for you. He said, no, no problem for you whatsoever. He said, but for me. He said, now, now I talked to Pastor Keller and I asked him about getting a bike. And he told me, John, if you feel like you can handle a bike, you, you feel free to go ahead and get that bike. He said, I went down to the local bike store. Talked to the salesman, picked out a bike. He's going to let me take it for a trial run. I pulled that thing out in the parking lot. I straddled that thing. I revved the engine, felt the rumble, felt the air in my face. And he said, all of a sudden, every emotion from my past life and what God had delivered me from came back over me. And I felt the same thing that I felt when Women that I didn't know was getting on the back of my bike and the alcohol and the drugs and the party life. And he said, I felt every emotion come back over me. And he said, I just switched that bike off. And I got off. He said, the salesman was like, something wrong? What? And he said, I said, no, sir, no, sir, nothing. I, I can't do this. And he said, I went and got in my truck and left. And he said, I can't own a bike, Pastor. Because he said, it took me back to everything that God had delivered me from. That was John's meat that he had offered to idols. And God delivered him from it and saved him. But John had an understanding. And he said, now pastor, now pastor, if, if you have a bike for you. I said, John, we have some folks in our church that has a bike. They don't know anything about that life that you're talking about. I doubt Brother Gary knows much about that life. But he's got that bike. Brother Everett has that bike. I don't know if they still, y'all still ride together? Not too much. I said, we've got men in our church that have bikes. They don't know anything about that life. They don't know anything about that party. They don't know anything about that. They never sacrifice to idols. All they know is, is it's in a relaxing evening. They go out and ride that bike together. They don't know any. For them, meat's good for the body. But for John, John said, I, I can't, can't have anything. I said, Brother Keller, how's John doing? He said, sad story, Brother Jordan. I said, what happened? He said, he got around some folks that talked him into buying a bike. My heart sank. It was just last week. He said, John bought a bike, hooked back up with old friends, and he ended up right back in the life that God had delivered him from. And he said, you wouldn't recognize him today. Was it the bike? No, but it was the sin. It's not about the meat. The Apostle Paul said, if, you're gonna, if meat's good for the body, but if you know it's going to offend your brother, let your brother have some convictions. Don't persuade him to go back into the mess that God delivered him from. You have your preference. Let him have his. But don't offend. Don't lead him back into sin. Let him who is strong yield to the weaker. Set some convictions in your life. 
Don't let people make fun of you. Hear me, young people. Let them make fun. Let them talk. Let the, don't ever let somebody cause you to go back and do things that you know God has delivered you from. God delivers you from something. You better be certain that you never go back and build again the things that you have destroyed. Pastor, there isn't anything wrong with this. We need to let the whole church know there's nothing wrong with this. It may not be wrong for you, but you don't know what God delivered them from. Meat's good for the body, but if it offends your brother... My medium steak offends you and you want to buy it, I'll go medium well. I won't allow my preference to hinder our fellowship. It may not be my preference, but I value our fellowship over my preference. Anybody with me tonight? I'm closing. cause to sin, to lead someone to err. Today we don't have a problem with meat in the church, that's not what the problem is, but it's the same type of issues. We need to consider one another and provoke one another to love and good works. Instead of me giving you a hard time over your conviction that's stronger, I want to give you a hard time and provoke you to live for God. Whatever I do, if I can encourage you and tell you, hang in there. I know it can get tough at school, but hang in there. Live for God. Serve God. I know they may look at you and mock at you when you tell them that you're going to go to church on a Wednesday night, Jack. But keep going to church. They may make fun of you for standing up and worshiping. You keep standing up worshiping God. You keep, don't let, don't let... I want to provoke you to love and good works. Get some standards in your home. Get some convictions in your home. Set some things for your home. And don't let anybody talk you out of it. We need to be developing the habit of living our life of faith. With an eye to the faith of others in the church. I'm serving God, but at the same time, I'm watching those around me to make sure that I'm having positive effect on others. I'm not going to lead the questions. I'm not going to see a day that Brother Danny's discouraged and come up to him and say, boy, living for God can be discouraging sometimes, can it? I know things are bad, but, you know, if I had a father like yours... Provoke them to love and good works. The words that you speak ought to be edifying, lifted up, not discouraging. I'm not leading somebody. Every service we have is not general conference status because of the time status service. Sometimes we come and we leave and we go and we wonder what the preacher was even preaching about. I'm not going up to my brother saying, well, how'd you feel about the sermon tonight? I'm going to do that on the night that I know he preached real good. The night the worship service goes real good, I'm going to ask you, boy, how'd you like that choir tonight?
on the night they missed 14 notes and provoke one another to love and to good works. I want to be an encourager of whatever I do because my life of holiness, my life of holiness is connected is connected to the life following peace with all men. Not having 80% of the congregation, but this 20% over here, I can go to them because I know I can always get them negative. My guess is tonight not everybody in this place had a good day. I'm not going to come find those who had a bad day and start poking on that bad thing that happened today until I push your buttons. Provoke them. If you're going to provoke them, provoke them to love and good works. Strengthen the brotherhood. Lift them up. Follow peace with all men. And hold on to that which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God. Looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God. I wish, I wish I would have known, I wish I would have known somebody was pulling on Brother John, he was a nice guy. I wish I would have known. I wish I would have had an opportunity because I'd have liked to have gone to him and said, John, remember when you told me, don't do it. Don't go back to that life. Don't go by. You told me you can't handle that bike. Don't do it. Don't let somebody, don't let peer pressure push you back into that. Stay away from it. Meat's good for the body, but if it causes you to sin, stay away from it. And I won't eat it either when I'm around you. How do I like my steak medium? But if it offends you and causes you to sin, I won't eat steak. No, thank you. Tonight I'll have the chicken. Because I don't want to cause you to sin. Stand with me. Why don't you just join your heart with me right now? I'm done. I'm, I'm closing. We're out of time. Why don't you join your heart with me right now? And I want us to begin to pray one for another that the body of Christ would be strengthened like never before. We're united like never before. To be united doesn't mean that we agree on every preference, but it means that we're together provoking one another to love and good works. Let's pray together right now. Lift up your voice. Lord, we love you tonight. God, thank you for your word. Lord, let me be a provoker of good works. Let me urge men and coerce men to live for you, to walk in holiness and separation from the world. God, don't allow my...